All right, well, Merry Christmas to you. Let me offend you right off the get-go. Merry Christmas. And uh, we're going to Isaiah 9-6 because that's what we talk about at Christmas, right? We look at that passage one time a year, um, and we're not really that impressed by it. Um, and if you think about it as a pastor, we're supposed to give something new every Christmas, but the story's the same. A baby came, laid in a manger, no crying it make, because if you cry when you're a baby, I guess it's sin. And so I didn't cry. Um, and that's it. Or is that it? Like, have we missed it? In the midst of what we've kind of turned this season into, have we missed it? And so I titled this morning, Moving From What to Who? Moving From What to Who? And maybe, maybe we'll look at a passage that we've kind of known for a while. If you've been robbing the church, you've heard it. Um, if you haven't, maybe you still heard it, uh, whether it's through some story or maybe Charlie Brown said it on one of his specials. But uh, we want to get back into the heart behind all this, and it should be a time where we're in wonder, not because there's sleigh bells or because there's snow up in the mountains that we don't have to shovel, none of that stuff. What if it's just, what if we could just get, what if we just get back to the who? I think that's the thing that we're supposed to be doing. And so if you know, I know we just prayed. If you don't mind, we want to pray just because I don't like to preach unless that happens. Uh, so let's pray, and we'll go to Jesus with this. <clears throat> Father, we pause before we speak to you for your God. We're not. God, it's so easy to just jump into our list. And we say, dear Jesus, and then just jump in. This is what you need to change and fix and do. And yet, I find myself just jumping into that rather than pausing and saying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And maybe as we pause before you, we're reminded that you know better than we do. We're very limited in what it is that we see. We're limited in our experiences, and yet you know all, see all, are in all times at once and outside of time. God, it's, it's so humbling and yet so comforting to be able to speak to you and to trust you, God. Your will be done. And so, God, I pray that you would speak this morning. I pray that you'd help us to be attentive to your spirit, not to my voice, to your spirit. And give us the grace necessary to follow through and to obey. God, we love you. Pray you'd speak as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. So Isaiah writes this down. For to us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. And it's like, well, why why would he just repeat it? I've never gotten a birth announcement like that. And hey, we had a kid and it's a boy. Well, I have, I guess. It usually just says it's a boy. But what, what's he saying? For just a child is born. The child pointing to Jesus is humanity. A son is given pointing to his deity. Why? He's the son of God. So in this one statement, I mean, it's like, think about it. Only scripture, only God can take one statement and just pack it with the incarnation of God coming for us. As a child born, and the son of God who's given the government shall be upon his shoulder. And I know that for some of you sit there and go, yes, we get to bash the government. That's not what it's saying. The word government there is domain or rulership. Now some of you sit there and go, I don't like that because that means I'm not in charge. You're really not in charge of much, are you? Let's just be honest. I mean, your body works because it works. You're not telling yourself to breathe. You're not telling your heart to beat. You're not telling your brain to work. It just works. 
we're spinning on the planet and we're going around the sun and we have nothing to do with it. So honestly, what are we really in control of? The government, the domain, the rulership, the authority is all on his shoulder, literally, and not his shoulder, literally on his back. And maybe for some of you, this is one of the greatest things you could hear this morning. It's not all on you. Whatever that is, whatever that situation, that circumstance, whatever that thing that's just weighing you down or keeping you up at night, whatever that is or whoever that is, God's sitting there going, all rulership, all authority, all dominion, all domain is on my back. I carry it. And he shall be called. This child born, this son given, he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You sit there and go, well, he's done. He just read the verse, we're done. Now I get paid by the word, so we're going to keep going. So you go to Isaiah chapter 7. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 7. I mean, this, is, this is kind of a big sign, just a couple chapters before where he's saying, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. There's a lot of giving here from the Father. God is giving a lot. He'll give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive. The virgin shall conceive. Don't gloss over that. Like, that doesn't happen every day. And there was a lot of people over the years that said, I don't know what happened. It just happened. God did it to me. Did it to Mary. Did it to me. It's like, I understand that, but that's not how it works. The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son, and, she, and shall call his name what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. And are we used to that? Think about it. Like, the name that he wants to make sure that we get. God with us. So I gotta be just like, make sure that they get this. Isaiah, write this down. Make sure this is in the very beginning. Yes, this virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, but his name shall be called God with us. Isn't that gorgeous? Isn't that beautiful? Unless you're Mary, no one asked the teenager, hey, are you okay with this? Because you know everyone's gonna believe your story. What happened, Mary? Joseph, what happened? This is God. Yeah, right. So guess what they have the reputation for for the rest of their life? They couldn't wait. Jesus is known as a bastard child. He's even mocked for it by religious leaders later on in the Gospels. They live in abject poverty. And no one asked her, are you okay with this? In fact, when Gabriel shows up, he's like, behold, favor of God is with you, man. This is a good time. Why? Because you got to butter her up for the news. Your life is about to change and you didn't even ask for it. And doesn't God still do that today? You ever had the crisis happen that you didn't expect? You see, they go, well, crisis, that's of the devil. Is it? Like, think about it. If we just make God made the bee and the devil made the stinger, we have really bad theology. Even I'm reading First and Second Peter, this is my quiet time with Jesus, where I'm looking at, there are times that we will suffer because of Jesus. There are times that we will suffer based upon God's will, that if I get to suffer because I'm a lover of Jesus, I'm considered blessed. There are trials and there are purposes behind trials, and what are those purposes? A lot of those times, how many of you came to Christ because of a trial? How many of you surrendered to Christ because of a crisis? Is it possible that God in his sovereign ability, the fact he has all dominion, all rulership, all authority, will do whatever's necessary to draw us back to himself? She gets that news. 
she gets used to it and all of a sudden it's time to give birth and you're in a cave because there's no room in the end. And there's you and there's Joseph and maybe a couple animals trying to figure this whole birthing thing out. I don't know about you. <laughs> I had a whole lot of people in the room with me. All I had to do was help Kelly count. One, two, and by his very soothing voice, three, four. And I'm, get pumped, get pumped, Kelly, get pumped. Five, push. <laughs> That's all I did. I didn't catch the kid. And there they are. A couple of years later, then Magi show up. We saw a star. And I don't know how long they traveled. I have no clue. I don't know if it was weeks, months, years. I have no clue. But isn't it amazing that these men who were not followers of Yahweh somehow had this understanding that star points to a king and that king must be worshiped and they set out on a journey. And they come and they say, okay, it's rested here. So they find the king. Herod's like, okay, now watch chapter two, Matthew, verse two. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Come to worship, to give to him. Not to get, but to give. To give, that's the concept of worship. Guys, does it ever feel, or maybe you've bought into this. It's like, well, if I do this for much for God, then he's gonna bless me this much. Or I'll do these six principles here and he'll give me the best marriage, the best finances, or the best relationships and I'll never have any care, never any concern. Everything's comfortable. The only problem is it's not biblical. There is blessing that comes with Jesus and there are trials that come with Jesus. And in all of it, God is sovereign. And either there's a purpose in the pain or God is saying, oops. I just can't find a place in the scriptures where God said, oops. God can redeem any present. He can redeem any past. Guys, he can prepare any future because he's sovereign over all. So here are these men that show up to worship him because they saw a star. It's like, that's where the king of the Jews must be. We gotta go worship. Isn't it weird? King of the Jews to worship. King of the Jews to worship. They believe him to be divine. Not to get, but to give. Not to get, but to give. And then later on, you fast forward in John chapter one where Jesus is about ready to start his earthly ministry in verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked and Jesus, as he walked by, said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? Not who, but what? They may for some of you, you're just starting out, or you're here and you don't know Jesus, you're watching online, you don't know Jesus, and right now the question for you is what? It's like, what, okay, what will Jesus do for me? Like, what do I get out of it? Because that's a normal question. And isn't it great that Jesus isn't offended? He actually asks the question. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? And then they spent the whole afternoon and the evening with him. And they just hung out, and what was their response? We found the Messiah. It didn't say he did miracles. He didn't turn water into wine yet. He's just sitting there chilling, chatting with them. And their response, we found him. Got to tell my brother, Simon, he won't believe it. He's just all emotional. We'll run over to Simon. Hey, we found the Messiah. He takes off running. And what's Jesus say? Your name's Simon. You'll be Peter. He's like, well, that's a weird nickname. Yeah, it means rock. And Andrew's like, that boy ain't no rock. He's not right. He's like a noodle. He's flimsy. No, 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 no. That's not him. Oh yeah, and on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell cannot withstand it. Dang, what a purpose statement. 
I got something I'm going to do with you, Simon. You will be Peter. It starts with what? What are you seeking? But I wonder if we move past that. Why? Because a, a child was born and a son was given and the government's on his shoulders. And why four names? Well, let's look at them. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful. Is he wonderful? I know it's Sunday morning and you're in a building where we're all singing to Jesus with some sweet pews. But here's the question. Is he wonderful? Or is he only wonderful based upon the circumstances that you're experiencing? Do my circumstance dictate God's wonderfulness? Because isn't that how it's become? If everything's great, praise be to God, I'm blessed. If it's not, God, you're screwing up. God, why are you letting this happen instead of pulling back? And maybe God's sitting there going, do you still think I'm wonderful? In the midst of what's happening, do you still think I'm wonderful? Guys, our circumstances or our perspectives on the circumstances that we're going through do not dictate or define God's wonderfulness. We start with the wonder of God and we look at every circumstance through that lens. And if it doesn't correlate or doesn't go with God's wonder, then it might be God saying, welcome to your mission field to make that thing redeemed and under the lordship and the wonder of Christ. Wonderful counselor. You know what counselor means? We don't know what we're doing. Isn't it great? You're like, I do. No, you don't. Guys, I'll be honest. Okay, my boys are 14 and 12 now. Tyler's almost eye to eye with me. I don't like that. <laughs> we're walking around yesterday. He had three people. How old are you? It's like 14 or 14. It <laughs> came out. He squeaked it a couple of times. 14. So it comes out. He's, and he measures himself every day. He's like, Dad, I'm right there. I'm like, shut up. You're growing. My vertebrae are compressing. Shut your mouth. <laughs> Guys, I feel like I'm a, I'm a much better parent to four-year-olds than a 14 and a 12-year-old. I don't know what I'm doing. So I asked those who are older, what did you do? Oh, we screwed them up too. Okay, well, there's hope. <laughs> but then when you've gone through it, and parents are the only ones, like you've gone through it, they're little, it's like, I remember those. Those were great days, most of the time. Isn't it great to know that he's the wonderful counselor and he knows that we don't really know what we're doing and so he's, he's, really, he's willing and available to give us counsel? But the, the word should be God what do you want me to do rather than God fix it? Here's what I did, so fix it. That's kind of what it is that we do. It said, God, what is it you want me to do? How, how do you want me to work in this situation? How do you want me to work with, with this kid compared to this kid? How do you want me to love my spouse? How do you want me to love my neighbor? Like, what do you want me to do? Instead of, well, I did all these things and they seem good and they seem moral and they seem like they're a Christian and, and man, I just jacked the whole thing up. Can you fix it? What if we start with him? I'm reading the end of Revelation. It's like, who, who has ever given God counsel? Who is his counselor? No one. That he is not needing our opinions, but he is expecting our obedience. You say, well, I don't agree with everything that he said. Then you can't call yourself a disciple if you're not gonna follow. I'm not saying that I agree with everything. He said, I go, oh, heretic. 
Guys, there's a sin nature in me that there are things in the Bible I do not like and do not agree with, but because God is good and great and wonderful, and he is my Lord, and I am his servant, I submit. And I say, God, change my perspective and my viewpoints and my agenda to come under your rulership and under your authority rather than me trying to take your authoritative word and to fit it around my sinful preferences. God, make me the person you want me to be. Help me follow, help me obey. And what's Jesus say? What's the word say? I mean, John wrote it two or three times in his first, first, second, third John. He wrote, it's like, and this is how you know that you love God. If you obey, it's straight up. If you obey what he says, you know that you love him. If you don't, then you don't. Wonderful counselor. God, I don't know what I'm doing, but you're so wonderful. And I know that you're for me, not against me. So what do I do? In Mark chapter 7, starting verse 31, it says this. Then he returned. This is Jesus. He returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears. And after spitting, touched his tongue. That is the most awkward greeting ever. <laughs> hey, greeters here at the church, we'll just be biblical. Someone comes through the door, just stick your fingers right in the ear. Just spit, touch their tongue. Say, no, give me your tongue. <laughs> like, let's not just go, okay, so what else happened? Guys, this is freaky. Like, if Jesus came up and did this, I would have sit there and go, touch me, yes. I feel the spirit. I'd be like, what the crud are you doing? with your fingers in my ears. Can you, I think, he, he doesn't hear anything. He's just like, Jesus, like, come here, come here. Let's leave him there, come here, come here. And Jesus just looks at him and goes. <laughs> and then he goes, <laughs> and then touches his tongue. I have never, ever had anyone do that to me. Why would he do it? Because it's hocus pocus. It's like, that's what you have to do to heal the guy. No. How else do you tell the, the deaf guy what you're about to do? Isn't it great that Jesus knows every language, even sign language? So when he pulls him aside and says, you know your ears? Yeah, I'm going to open them. He says, why did he spit and touch his tongue? Because in that day, people believed that there was healing in spit. So when he spits and touches his tongue, he's saying, I'm going to heal your tongue. He's going to go, how barbaric. Remember when you were five and you cut your finger? Where'd you put it? You barbarian. You put it in your mouth just like everybody else does. So when Jesus says, hey, I'm going to open your ears and I'm going I'm to heal your tongue, then watch. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephephatha. There it is. That's the first word you get to hear. That sounds like a sneeze. Ephephatha. Think of that, like the first thing he heard, be opened. Jesus did not sit back and request anything. He did not ask, okay, I, hey, deafness, please let him hear. Why? Because all dominion, all authority, all rulership, the government is on his back. He's in charge of it all and he commands and creation obeys. Even the broken parts obey. He did not ask. He spoke. He said. He declared, be 
opened. What was the response? And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. You ever wonder what he said? I don't, it doesn't say. I'm going to ask him when I see him. I bet he just talked about everything. It's like this. Have you ever seen this video? I, don't, I saw it this morning. I've seen it in the past, but for some reason I saw it this morning. Uh, those who, they've never seen color, and then someone gives them those special glasses and they put them on, every single one of them cries. And I cried. Like I'm watching it going, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. I'm all by myself. I was like, I need someone. Wake up, somebody. Dog, Bailey, come here. Let's just do this together. I'm watching as a grown man are just weeping. Why? Because they've never seen color. And we get to something like this in the scriptures and we go, okay, so he heard and he spoke. So, so what? No, no, no. Like stop and think you've never been able to do it. You've never heard anything. I guarantee that this man never, never forgot the phrase Ephatha. He never forgot when Jesus screamed, be opened. And when he could speak, chatterbox. He got to say everything he'd never been thinking, everything he'd ever want to speak before. He's just speaking, and I love the word, plainly. No effort. It's just coming out. In verse 36, Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. It's like, don't tell anyone. Okay, dang, do you see what just happened? And they just go, I mean, not just him, but all his friends. Like this, just that dude right there, just here. Guys, isn't it weird that Jesus told them, don't tell anybody, but they told everybody. And Jesus tells us, go tell everyone and we're silent. Isn't it amazing? We have the best news in the world. We're just waiting for what? And this isn't like, get your, get your stuff in order and I've got it together. I'm the same way. It's like, I'm waiting for God to open the door. I'm thinking this, if I'm in the room, the door's been opened. And if there's a person that can hear, here we go. This is what I've been praying lately, last three days. If you read Acts chapter four, you see the disciples, they're threatened. Hey, they're, it's like, hey, don't speak in the name of Jesus. Then they slap them around. They beat them up. The first thing that they did was not, let's get out of town. The first thing they did, they found their friends and they prayed. And what they prayed for? God, give us boldness that we might proclaim your gospel. And what was God's response? It's Acts 4.31. And God put it on my heart. Wake up, 4.31 a.m. Because I want to see the same response. God replied by shaking the earth and filling them with boldness where they continued to preach the gospel. I'm like, God, give me that boldness. I pray. May I never be silent when you've told me to share because we have the message of the hope of the world and we're waiting for an open door. Guys, the open door is called the open grave. Once the grave door opened, there's your door. There's my door. So they go, how's this wonderful counselor? Watch. And they, they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. All. Everything well. The word well means this. Beautifully, finely, excellently, well, rightly, so that there shall be no room for blame. Well, truly, nobly, commendably, honorably. It's not to say he did okay. But he's done all things well. 
Now think about what that statement means. If I look at this, knowing the whole story, could I still say the same thing or else do I sit back and sit and go, yeah, but the guy had to be deaf and the guy had to have a speech impediment. So has he really done all things well? Like we could look at the circumstances and decide whether or not God has done all things well. We can look at the situations that we have to face and decide whether or not God is wonderful or we pull back and we go, okay, wait, 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 wait. What you've done in the past, you took a guy that couldn't hear, you stuck your fingers in his ears, you loosened his tongue and you opened up his ears so that he could hear. And everyone there proclaimed, you have done all things well because you've done in the past, you will do it again. Because you've done in the past, you will do it again. Jesus, you do all things well. And I may not understand this perspective or what it is that you're doing, but you're sovereign commander. You, are, you have all dominion, all rulership, all authority. And because you're in charge, I'm gonna pull back. And I don't understand every perspective. And I don't understand every other, other agenda. I don't understand every angle, but I'm gonna trust you. Your will be done because I know that you do all things well. In other words, God, Jesus, you are wonderful. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Mighty God, this little child that's born, this son that's given is known as almighty God. Mighty God, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. You ever had somebody come by with a little watchtower magazine saying, we want to give you this? Not telling you that their translation of John 1, 1, they say, that's the same Bible, have the same Bible. No, they have their own translation. So you have a Jehovah's Witness saying, no, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. They add this, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was a God. So I remember a couple of them came to my door and I'm kind of like you. Once I see them coming, I'm like, oh, crud. Ah, do I have to do this today? God, I'm washing the car. This is busy. This is eternal work. So I open the door and the young ones, the young one, like the older one's in the back. She's up by the door. She said, can I just ask you some questions? I said, sure. So she asked all her questions and I let her go. And I said, okay, but I'll answer, I'll answer your questions if you answer some of mine. Absolutely. It's like, fantastic. So the end, and I'm, this isn't because I'm like Bible scholar and I know all these things. It's just like, I know a couple verses and let's just kind of go with it. So I said, you believe in more than one God, right? Well, no, absolutely not. Well, he said, in the beginning was the word, the word, word, word was with God, the word was a God. Isn't that what your John 1, 1 says? Well, yes. But there's only one creator. Yes. So you get to John 1, 2, and it says that this word created everything. So this word who's a God created everything, but there's only one creator. So can you explain that part to me? The old one in the back. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> We're done here. And I'm like, this isn't fair. I answered her questions. Come on. This is my turn. In the beginning was. When the beginning began, the word already was because God already was, has always been. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. You get to Hebrews chapter 1. The writer of Hebrews says this. Very first verse, 1 through 3. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Remember that son who was given? Whom he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, this is Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. Dang. 
Guys, he holds the universe up by saying, stay. He speaks it. And the universe obeys. We have a wonderful counselor. Oh, but that wonderful counselor is mighty God. And then you get to everlasting father. And then don't you just kind of go, what? So he's the son and the father? I used to think, okay, maybe wonderful counselor points to the Holy Spirit and mighty God and everlasting Father. Hey, the Trinity is somehow representing the Son. I'm thinking, no, 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 no. That's really bad theology. Everlasting Father. Actually, maybe a better translation of everlasting Father is Father of Eternity. You say, well, it's the same thing. No, no, no. It's like this. Like the Father of an invention. You could say the originator of that thing. And so it says the father of eternity, that Jesus is the father of eternity. See Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 17. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is, watch it, before all things. How can he be before all things? Because he's the father of eternity. That when everything began, he already was. And in him, all things hold together. We have wonderful counselor. We have mighty God. We have Father of Eternity, everlasting Father. And what else? Prince of Peace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Did you catch that? We have peace with God. That means before Jesus... We did not have peace with God. It's like we think, well, sin is stuff that you do. No, no, no. Sin is us. We are sinful beings. I didn't become a sinner because I've done bad things. I'm sinful, therefore I do sinful things. You get later on in Romans chapter 5, and what's it say? That while we were still enemies of God, Christ dies for us. That while I'm still rebelling against him, while I'm in rebellion against the creator of the universe, Jesus comes as a man, fully God, fully man. How do I know? Fully man. A child is born. Fully God. A son is given. Why'd he come? So we can have peace with God. So the thing that's necessary in order that we can be reconciled with God that we cannot do on our own, but only he can accomplish, only the perfect sacrifice can accomplish this thing. And we can't because we're sinful. Guys, this is supposed to be a huge encouragement. Like I said earlier, it's not all on you. Every other world religion is just do enough good things, do enough good things, and hopefully you'll make it. Hopefully you'll make it. Hopefully you'll make it. Christianity is the only one that says, God's saying, you can't make it. And you can't do enough good things. And all the good that you do is like a filthy rag compared to my holiness and my goodness. So I'm coming. I'm coming and I'm going to take everything necessary. I'm going to do everything necessary to make peace between us. Why? Because he wants us. He wants us. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. As the worship team comes back up. Like, think through this. Are we used to this? It's like, who is this Jesus? I saw this quote the other day. Even Napoleon, as far as I know, he didn't love Jesus. As far as I know, he wasn't a Christ follower. This is what he wrote. I know men. I guess if you say that, you have all authority. Hey, I know men. Okay, I'm listening. I know men, 
And I tell you that Jesus Christ was no, was no mere man. Between him and whoever else in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Even he looked at the person of Jesus and going, there is something different about him. He is no mere man. Who is he? I'm not asking who is he to you. Because all of a sudden, I think that when that question comes up, who is he to you? I know it's personal. It's like, ah, to me he is. No, 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 no. Because all of a sudden, I can just take my preferences and turn Jesus into whoever I want him to be and welcome to being an idol worshiper. I don't want that. And Jesus doesn't want that. Not as who is he to you. Who is Jesus? He's advocate, almighty, Alpha and Omega, author and finisher of our faith, beloved son, bread of life, captain of salvation, chief shepherd, Christ of God, cornerstone, creator, deliverer, first and last, good shepherd, great high priest, head of the church, holy one, the great I am, image of God, Emmanuel, king of kings and Lord of lords, he's lamb of God, leader and commander, the life, the light of the world, Lord of all, mediator, Messiah, mighty one, Prince of life, redeemer, savior, son of God, sovereign, truth, word of God, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. That's Jesus. This is the Jesus who's on the throne right now, according to the Revelation. Where all the myriads of angels and all the saints who've gone before us are bowing down in worship. They are giving to him, not expecting anything from him. Because for them, it's not about what, it's about who. It's who. That's the Jesus that we term Jesus. And we forget that his name means Jehovah saves. This is Jesus. Guys, the best thing about Christmas is Jesus. The best thing about heaven is Jesus. The best thing about life is Jesus. Is it Jesus that you follow? Or is it just his stuff? Because if it's just his stuff, I don't know that you've surrendered to him. Is he Lord? Is he master? We gotta move from what and back to who? Let me pray. Jesus, I admit while back, I was just about your stuff. Bless, bless, bless me, bless, bless. Help me and help me. And, and God, I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for your help. I just think there's something really wrong when we begin to worship your blessings rather than the one who gives the blessing. God, I thank you. And for those who, who can agree with this statement, I thank you that you are the love of my life. It's all about you. God, you're worth it. You're worth, Jesus, you're worth it. But God, I'm so thankful, Jesus, I'm so thankful that when I say you're worth it, you say the same thing back to me. You were worth it. So God, we give you thanks. 
Jesus, we give you thanks that you are wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. To you be all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who loves Jesus says, amen. Love you all more than you know.